You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network. New shows every day. Find us at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. Welcome to your Canadians Connection on Rocket Sports Radio. This premier hockey podcast, featured on allhabs.net, brings you the latest news, in-depth analysis, and expert commentary about the NHL's most storied franchise, the Montreal Canadiens, hosted by Rick Stevens with Amy Johnson and Chris G. Our team of credentialed journalists provides behind-the-scenes insight on the Canadians, designed to inform, entertain, and engage Habs fans around the globe. We are proud to be the trusted source for all things Habs for more than a decade. This is the Canadians Connection Podcast. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to today's episode of the Canadians Connection podcast here on Rocket Sports Radio, keeping you informed, engaged and entertained. Uh, This is episode 168 of the Canadians Connection podcast, and uh, we're glad that you're here with us today. We are a proud affiliate of the Hockey Podcast Network and also proudly sponsored by DraftKings. And you'll hear from those fine folks here in just a little bit. But first, uh, let me introduce myself. My name is Amy Johnson. I'll be your host for the next hour on this episode 168 of the Canadians Connection. And I'm pleased to be joined in the studio each and every week by my co-host, who happens to be the editor-in-chief, the founder, and the president of Rocket Sports. And he is the one and only Mr. Rick Stevens. How are you doing today? I'm doing great, thanks. How are you? Good afternoon. Good afternoon. I'm doing well. Happy Grey Cup weekend. It is Grey Cup I know you're, you always get excited about the Grey Cup and, and the halftime <laughs> show for the oh, Grey God. Cup. You know, I, I, okay, we'll, we'll split that statement in half. I actually do, I, I don't follow the CFL uh, during, during the season, but I do enjoy watching at least bits and pieces of, of the Grey Cup just because it's, you know, it's fun to watch a different kind of football. I have to remember, remind myself every year that, oh yeah, there's different rules. <laughs> um, so I actually, yeah, I, 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 I like the Grey Cup. It's usually on our American Thanksgiving weekend, but of course it got pushed back a little bit this year uh, because of COVID. Now, the halftime show, however. Yeah. Ooh. I, to be honest, I don't even know who I don't, who like, is uh, the featured artist for um, the halftime show. But it's um, I'm always delightfully surprised at how enthusiastic the fans in the stadium are with the Grey Cup halftime show. Well, it'll be at Tim Horton Field this year in Hamilton. It's uh, nice. the 108th Grey Cup. Winnipeg Blue Bombers defending Grey Cup champions against the mm-hmm. Hamilton Tiger Cats. Nice. Mm-hmm. Well, and I would imagine that you are rooting for the Bombers. For sure. Absolutely. And the Bombers had a great uh, they had a great season. Um and beat Saskatchewan last last week in the West Final. So, um, yeah, what was their, 11 and three was their record. And so I think they're primed to repeat as great cup champions. What about your Vikings? Do you, do you want to talk about those? 
those those fine folks well they they had (laughs) they had a victory thursday night over uh Mm -hmm. pittsburgh um our our dear friend and commissioner of fantasy football brian is Uh is a big steelers fan and so we were uh, exchanging messages and watching very closely. I think he was ready to pack it in at halftime. Uh, probably. <laughs> and, and my message to him was, wait, hang on. Uh, the the uh, Vikings like to make games close. And, and uh, yeah. yeah, the Steelers came storming back in the second half and made, made it, yeah, it was within one score, so... But Detroit Lions fans like your team an awful lot right now. Well, apparently they like both the Vikings <laughs> and the Steelers because they tied the Steelers and beat the Vikings. So Yeah. Well, fun stuff. Uh, we have a uh, – well, and it's it's a big week in, in fantasy football because play, we're all jockeying for playoff positioning mm-hmm. now. Um, Close to the playoffs. So, and uh, – <clears throat> You and I are facing off. Oh, here we uh, go. For I, I believe in in all Habs three. I'm in second place. You're in third, and we are facing each other this week. And I think we covered our that good friend, completely on the, the press zone, we so we can move on from that. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah, it'll uh, it'll be it'll be fun. Uh, we've got a great show lined up for you today, um, and. Lots to talk about. Uh, we've got a, a great first segment uh, coming up. We're going to quickly recap what's going, what's been going on with the Canadians this past week between the games they've played, uh, changes in the roster, injury updates, uh, those types of things. We're also going to bring you a, a prospect report uh, and talk a little bit about um, some news and notes, not only from within the Canadians and some some things that uh, came out uh, this week, but also from around the league as well. Uh, plenty of things. It's it, it seems to be no shortage of news around the entire National Hockey League each and every week. So we're going to bring you uh, some some of those things as well. Uh, and then in the second segment, uh, as you uh, as you kind of teased it in our in our team Slack, uh, we're going to play a little tag team today. I'm going to pass the baton off to uh, our good friend and colleague, Michael Spinella, who's going to join you in the co-host seat for the second segment for you guys to talk about the big topic of the week uh, called Cleaning House 2. Uh, you two are going to sit down and examine all of the things that, uh, for now, Jeff Gordon has on his plate and, and ways that he can look at now uh, improving the roster and how to move the team forward, you know, getting cap flexibility squared away, maybe getting some draft picks stockpiled, um, and what to do with bad contracts, players that really aren't part of the plan for the future, those types of things. It's going to be a great conversation between you and Michael Spinello coming up in the second segment. Uh, and then I'll be back with you for the third segment uh, where we're going to talk a bit about Everything uh, that's been going on content-wise for the Rocket Sports Media crew for the past week, in case anybody's missed anything. Uh, And uh, we're going to hear from some of our fans and get you all set for the week's games coming up. Sounds like a great show. It does sound like a good show. Uh, Don't forget, as well, this is an interactive podcast. You can text us at any time via the Rocket Sports text line. That number is 5853-ROCKET. Again, 5853-ROCKET. And don't forget to follow at Habs Connection on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Um, so first and foremost, let's let's just rewind a little bit and take a look at those three games that the Canadians played this past week. Uh, needless to say, in in short order, Rick, I think we can say that they uh, 
Didn't have a great run of it. This wasn't past a great week. week. No, <laughs> got a point. They got a point, and that was uh, that was on December fourth when they played uh, in Nashville. They got a point against the Predators, but uh, the Preds really kind of took things to the Habs uh, in the first and the third periods, uh, and they were the ones that eventually came out on top, four to three in that game. Um, then Montreal came back home and uh, faced off against the Tampa Bay Lightning for the first time since uh, the Lightning ousted the Canadians uh, in the Stanley Cup final to to win the Cup. Um, you know, Tampa actually didn't look great that night. No, no, John <laughs> Cooper wasn't happy. His team didn't look uh, very good. Now they're with. They have a couple of injuries, a couple of significant injuries as well. Braden Point not in the lineup. Uh, Kucherov, well. He's not in the lineup until the playoffs mm. ever so. Um, <laughs> and and in pregame, there was a bit of a distraction with David Savard getting his Stanley Cup ring. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, Tampa was, was, was off. Canadians, to their credit, took advantage for m- most, most of, of the, the game. game. <laughs> yeah, but uh, as they say, good teams figure out a way to win. Um, bad teams figure out a way to lose. So... Um, yeah, the, the Canadians, Canadians did the did the latter. Yes, exactly. <laughs> uh, Tampa scoring twice in the last two minutes of that one to actually come out with a three two victory over the Canadians. It was a pretty demoralizing loss for for a a game that it looked like the Canadians could actually pull out a win, and they and they didn't at the last second. Uh, then, well, if you want to talk about demoralizing, then uh, they invited the Chicago Blackhawks uh, to the Bell Center on Thursday night, and. Um, you know, the Blackhawks have not been having a great season, obviously, no. either. Um, and it was, I casually joked while watching the game, oh my goodness, this game is just a battle of who is a more cruddy team. Like, it was just, it wasn't fun to watch. Uh, both teams, neither one of the teams looked good at all. Uh, Canadians couldn't generate anything. Um, the big kind of storyline as the game kept going was, okay, well, if Flurry wins... He be, he gets that 500th win. He becomes a member of the 500 club. And not only did Chicago win, they blanked the Canadians at the Bell Center. Perhaps the easiest shutout that Marc-Andre Fleury has got in his career. Um, the Canadians mustered just two high-danger scoring chances Yeesh. in the entire game. Yeesh. None in the first period, one in the second period. And uh, trailing in the third, they only managed just one. Um, so it was, it was, um, yeah, an e- easy night for Flurry. He got his 500th win. I think, uh, you know, tip the, the, the absolutely st- stick tap to him. Uh, but it kind of got a little out of hand, uh, with the, the media slobbering all over him. And, um, you know, he was, he was announced as the first star, even before any of the other, usually you announce, you know, the third, second, first, it, it, it was, everything was uh, over the top. They were chanting his name. I guess the fans don't have much to cheer for uh, yeah. this season. So um, cheering for a homegrown guy, I guess. Uh, but it, it was. Which was a nice Call move. it classy, yeah. call it distasteful, whatever you want. There was, there was two s- strains of thought there, yeah. but I think it was a bit over the top. So that leaves the Canadians sitting with a record on the season of 6-19-3, sitting uh, in 31st place, uh, just ahead of the Arizona Coyotes uh, in the National Hockey League. It's not going well. 
it's not going well. Um, and it's not going to get easier from here. That's correct. <laughs> uh, as far as um, injuries and, and, and roster news, there's um, going to start with uh, some uh, last minute kind of injury things that have really kind of come up in the last 24 hours or even just today um, may come to some surprise that apparently Jake Evans was injured during the first period of Thursday night's game against Chicago. Uh, He played the rest of that game, but uh, comes out today. Ducharme makes the announcement that he will not play against St. Louis uh, on Saturday night and is considered day to day. Um, You may have heard or or maybe you missed it. He's playing the wing these days. Yeah. We're going to talk about that in a little bit as to (laughs) what a brilliant, I, correct me if I'm wrong, but hasn't this organization tried this experiment with some centers in the past and really has backfired? (laughs) Well, typically it's wingers playing center. Um, and and, uh, that's been a disaster, Jonathan Duran. Um, Mm -hmm. uh, they've been desperate for centers. Why you'd convert a center to a winger? I I have no idea, but we're going to get to that. Um, some fan, you know, you little bit to celebrate. Oh, hey, woohoo! Yoel Armia looks like he's going to get back into the lineup tonight, returning from injury. That would be a great thing to celebrate. Except then we find out that um, Tyler Toffoli had hand surgery this past Wednesday. He's out for eight weeks. That's tough. Like you get one back and you lose another one for two months. Especially a team that's struggling on offense. That's uh, that's another another tough blow. It's another tough blow. So the um, <laughs> the lineup tonight is a little scary looking. Um, but uh, we'll see how it goes. Um, Brendan Gallagher, Sammy Niku still not in the lineup. Uh, they're a week into their absence due to being placed into COVID-19 protocol. Ducharme did confirm that they won't play on Tuesday in Pittsburgh, even if they've come out of protocol by then, uh, because the two of them are going to need time for conditioning to get back up to to game level. Uh, so we won't see Gallagher and Niku at least until sometime later in the week, next week at the earliest. If you're doing the math on your hand, that the 10 days that would bring them, that would make them eligible to return if if all goes well and they, they have their negative tests. Um uh, eligible to return Tuesday uh, against Pittsburgh, but as you just said, uh, they won't be in that lineup. Um, they'll they'll need some practice time. They'll need some time. You know, it's it's not as if COVID hasn't taken anything out of them. So uh, they'll, they'll they'll take a while to get back in the lineup. That's true. Now Ducharme had said late in the week that of of the injured players, UL Armia and Jeff Petrie were the closest to returning so sure enough we do see armia likely returning to the lineup uh tonight however jeff petrie will not uh i believe it you told me that it uh this morning at morning skate he was the eighth defenseman so he's skating um and he's he's skating with he's the, close he, but with but the not team, ready but no not ready yet so still still waiting to see how that will go um one welcome sight this week was uh, the return of Carey Price to to the ice, skating on his own and in full goalie gear, um, which is the first time he's done that this season. That's true. Not taking any shots. No. Um, he was mostly, um, you know, uh, light skate, making some moves, uh, handling the puck. Um, 
And he was wearing a brand new mask uh, from uh, designer David uh, David Gunnarsson that uh, looked pretty sharp. Nice. Um, so he's you know he's progressing, um, but it'll be a while yet. And as as Dom Ducharme said, it will not be in this calendar year that he makes his return. No, and that's fine. You know he's got to do it at his own pace. He'll know when he's ready. Um, the there were some. Uh, debuts this past week because of the litany of injuries that the Habs are currently um, experiencing. Uh, Laurent Dauphin had been called up uh, from Laval um, and he did make his Canadians debut uh, this past week as well as Cale Clegg who was picked up off of the waiver wire. Uh, He also made his debut. With an auspicious debut with a giveaway Didn't right away. Go well, but, um, <laughs> and an almost that you almost bit him again. Yeah, that's true. Uh, a little bit of good, a little bit of bad. I, yeah. I think he comes as advertised a puck mover uh, with some defensive liabilities. Yes, absolutely. Uh, speaking of defensemen, Matthias Norlander. Now, this one to me was a giant head scratcher. Um, Corey Schuneman called back up from the Laval Rocket. He hasn't played. He's he, Right now, he's just kind of there as an extra defenseman. Um, and that was in exchange for sending Matthias Norlander back down to the AHL. Um, Dominic Ducharme basically saying that they're going to play him down there for about three games. Uh, Laval has already played two games this week. So Norlander scored a goal on Wednesday in his first game with Laval. Uh, other, aside from his, don't forget, he did play in Laval for a couple of games on a conditioning stint just a few weeks ago. Um, but this was his first goal in the AHL this season. And then he got an assist on Friday night in Rochester. Um, and then Ducharme said that after these three games, they'll play again uh, Sunday, tomorrow, um, that they'll evaluate. So, I mean, Rick, it's right now it's Norlander doesn't look happy. He doesn't sound happy. There's been reports that he's not thrilled with being in the AHL. And the big question mark now is, are, are they going to just send him back to Sweden and let him develop there? Uh, or have they wasted time this season so far? Are they going to keep him in Laval for the rest of the season? It's um, it's a bit of a mess. It is. Um, Norlander has looked good um, in in Laval. He's manning the power play and and looks comfortable doing that. Um, but it's yeah, it's his body language and and the way he's talking afterwards that. Uh, and there was that uh, interview um, with a, a European publication that he said he wasn't that happy. Um, and it's it's uh, he's he's the kind of guy that um, you know he's always smiling, beaming, happy to be at the rink, and that has gone, uh, that has disappeared. Mm-hmm. So uh, we'll see how this ends up, but we'll have an answer uh, by next week, I expect, whether he'll be uh, staying with the Canadians or be heading back to Ferlunda for the rest of the season. And in something that we've been clamoring for since training camp finally happened a little three months too late in in my humble opinion but finally Jesse Alonen gets the recall to the NHL from the Laval Rocket he's had a a decent showing a very good showing of things uh, in Laval even starting last season when he played his first games with Laval uh, first 
first games on North American ice. He has transitioned to North American uh, style of play very well. Uh, he's a great skater, has a sneaky good shot. Um, and so he got recalled from the Laval Rocket and played in his very first NHL game of the season on Thursday. Yeah, he's he plays a very mature game. Mm-hmm. He looks like an NHLer, uh, an elite skater, uh, very strong strides, uh, a heavy shot that you talked about, good, good wrist shot, um, and um, brought up to the uh, Canadians, played, I don't know, eight minutes on the fourth line with uh, slugs, uh, Cedric Paquette <laughs> and uh, and, Miss, and Pizzetta. No, I, I, I you know. know it's it's unfortunate that the coach the coach's job is to put players in a position to succeed, um, and and he's just not very good at doing that, and and uh, it's kind of knee jerk bring up the the skilled player from Laval and stick him on the fourth line and and give him an occasional shift. Um, it's just not a recipe to allow that prospect to shine uh, and it doesn't help their transition and that's been the uh, the moniker of of the Montreal Canadians. They don't transition their prospects very well. No, they do not. Well, let's uh, if we're going to talk about prospects, let's really talk about prospects and uh, let's Get ourselves set up for a Habs prospect report. This edition of the Rocket Report is brought to you by AHL.Report, your premier source for the Laval Rocket, the AHL affiliate of the Montreal Canadiens. AHL.Report is a proud member of the Rocket Sports Media Network. Now, the Laval Rocket... Um got off to a fiery start uh, to begin the season, but quite frankly, they've had a very, very inconsistent and up and down and, and a bit of a challenging season. They are uh, riding basically a 500 win percentage right now. Uh, They are 10, 10 and two uh, on the season 18th in the AHL. Uh, I believe they are sixth in their division. Um, It's not been an easy season for them. They've had a good run of it this past week. Um, Primo, uh, they're riding Primo pretty hard right now. He's had five consecutive starts. He's three and two um, in in those starts, and and one of the two losses was in overtime. Um, I'm gonna just briefly tell you about how how they've played this week because as uh, Rick even mentioned this on a different topic earlier, we talked about this exhaustively on the Press Zone, our sister podcast, earlier this week, and so we encourage you uh, for for full analysis and and uh, kind of rehashing of what happened in each of these games. We welcome you and invite you to go listen to The Press Zone uh, at thepresszone.fm and listen to this past week's episode. Uh, You can also read our full comprehensive game recaps at ahlreport.com. Those are put together uh, by a combination of myself and and our good friend Chris G. Um, And... uh, that's where you'll get all the in-depth information on the the short summary of it. They had a tremendous game on the road in Toronto against the Marlies on Sunday. Complete, probably one of the more complete games I've seen the Laval Rocket play all season long. Beat the Marlies five to one. It was a it was a very good uh, outing for Laval. Um, Manitoba came into Place Bell on Wednesday. 
a little bit of a tighter game. Uh, Manitoba riding a pretty decent win streak uh, wasn't quite looking like themselves uh, on that night. They were also without the services of one of their top scorers, Vili Hanola, who had been recalled to uh, Winnipeg earlier in the day. Um, and Laval was able to squeak out a win in that one, three to two, uh, but then went on the road, uh, went to Rochester last night. Rochester has given them trouble this year, and Rochester's actually... Uh, one of the better teams in the, in the Eastern Conference so far this season. Uh, they lost to Rochester twice on home ice uh, earlier in the season, and it happened on Rochester's uh, ice in their barn last night, losing 5-3. to three. Um, Power plays looking sloppy, wasn't looking tremendous, uh, so drops them back to 500. They, they were on a four-game uh, win, winning streak, or a three-game winning streak, um, and had just kind of Rick climbed over that 500 mark on the winning percentage, but last night's loss against Rochester knocks them back down to backs them knocks them back down to that 10 and 10. So yeah, the the thing that bothers me a bit, and and I may have mentioned this a thousand times, um, <laughs> there's not many prospects in Laval, no. and um, I understand they want to fill the building and they want to. Uh, fill the roster spots with local talent, but uh, there's not a lot of development going on. Some, uh, some issues with some injury issues there uh, with respect to prospects, but uh, I'd really like to see them giving more opportunity to the Canadians prospects. Absolutely. Cam Hillis has sat out the last two games. Uh, I have not heard any word that he's injured. Unlike there are, there are prospects down in Laval, but they're injured. Gianni Fairbrother is looking close to coming back. Joel Teasdale has started skating by himself, um, but, you know, he's still a ways off. Josh Brooke is a ways off. Um, so, yeah, it would be great to see Cam Hillis in the lineup regularly. We'd, we'd like to see um, prospect usage. That is what the AHL is for. It is for prospect development, um, but that's not really happening all that much, um, aside from the fact that, that they are right now really riding Caden Primo. We'll see if that continues uh, this weekend or not. Um, speaking of <laughs> speaking of prospects, um, you know, I don't. I, I'm not sure that we were thrilled at the beginning of the season to see Arsene Kismutinov uh, sent to the Trois Rivières Lions in the ECHL to start the season, and not, you know, he played 15 games with Laval last season. Granted, he only had one assist during that 15 games, but. Um, you know, this is a player coming to North America for the first time, uh, at, at least in the spring, uh, was not uh, was still kind of struggling with English. So not a native English speaker uh, coming to North America, playing the North American ice, uh, you know, all sorts of adjustments and things in a, in a new situation for him. But did a did a decent job for when he could get into the lineup. Um, and this season, instead of keeping him with Laval, they sent him to Trois-Rivières um, and well, quite frankly, um, things haven't gone. I and when I can't say things haven't gone well, in that he hasn't performed well. Um, of the seventeen games the Lions have played, he's only gotten into ten of them, but he's managed to put up um, five points in those ten games. Um, but I think the, I think getting stuffed down in the ECHL not getting into the lineup regularly. I don't think Arsene Kisimutinov was very happy. And Rick, the news came out this week that he and the Canadians mutually agreed to terminate his contract. 
Uh, a draft pick, a 2019 sixth round uh, pick by the Montreal Canadiens. Um, he, he's 23 years old. He's uh, certainly got some offense to him, and in in the um, the MHL, which is the junior league in 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 Russia. Uh, 63 points in 59 games, 55 points the next year in 41 games, um, and then was not used very often last season uh, in Laval, and um, and then immediately at the beginning of the season uh, sent to uh, the ECHL. He has some defensive liabilities. There's no question about that. Sure. Uh, he needs to uh, work on on that, but uh, really wasn't given the opportunity. And and even as you said, uh, three goals, two assists for five points in the ten games in uh, in the ECHL this season. But but yeah, there's a situation where again um, they're featuring. Uh, local talent um, in Trois-Rivières, and uh, there's not much room for prospects, and particularly uh, one who um, may not be recognized by by local fans as they work hard to to build their fan base. So, mm-hmm. uh, just an untenable situation uh, for him, and and uh, it's not a surprise that uh, he was willing to to uh, um, terminate his contract uh, and go back to Russia. Yeah. So we wish him the best. It's an unfortunate situation, uh, and and hopefully he finds himself in a better situation sometime very soon. Um, Speaking of uh, prospects with names who aren't easy to pronounce, (laughs) um, Arbor Chakai certainly got some fans' attention during uh, rookie camp this year when he came in uh, with a very physical, very kind of aggressive style of play. I uh, certainly made his presence known on the ice with his hard checks into the boards and so forth. Uh, but he has had, uh, it, it's been quite apparent both in his play, sometimes during uh, rookie camp, um, but also even just his his time spent in the CHL, with in the OHL uh, with, with the Rangers, um, he plays with more than a bit of an edge, uh, sometimes a bit recklessly. Um, he's had some suspensions, uh, but this time, Rick, his suspension in the OHL is indefinite. Uh, he uh, It was Teddy Bear Toss Night, Kitchener Rangers versus the Owen Sound Attack. He dropped the gloves with uh, Captain Mark Woolley. Uh, they went for a, a pretty, pretty uh, raucous bout, and one of Chekai's punches landed squarely uh, in on Wooly's head uh, and looked to knock him out. He fell to the ice immediately. Uh, and Arbor Chakai skated away immediately, put his arms out to, to indicate he's out, and then put his hands clasped together on the side of his face, making kind of a mocking like, oh, he's sleeping now kind of gesture. And I don't think that went over very well with the league. It did not. And, and, uh, the league is not uh, saying much about it. Uh, they're not saying what exactly uh, the, the reason was uh, for his suspension, uh, but pretty obvious to me that uh, well, both gestures really. Uh, yeah. One and and then the kind of I put him to sleep permanently kind of thing shows a, a pretty callous disregard for uh, a fellow player. 
Um, and as you said, uh, Jacai has a history of this. He's a, he's an overager, uh, a, a, a big guy, uh, the 6'4", 225, uh, 20 years old, playing in the OHL. Um, he contributes, um, you know, offensively, uh, um, and, uh, but, but he has a history, a suspension history was suspended earlier this season, five games for a slew foot. Yes, you can apparently be suspended in, in, uh, for a slew foot. Yes. No. Uh, Yes. That's frowned upon? Well, yeah, if you're PK Subban and have done five slew foots, you will, you won't get a look. But ah. if you're Arbor Jacka in uh, the OHL playing for the Kitchener Rangers, you will get suspended. So um, we'll see how this turns out. Uh, the league is, is obviously not pleased. Um, and, and we should, to be fair, uh, I think, uh, David Branch and the OHL have done more, uh, than any other league to, uh, discourage fighting, to deter fighting. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and this didn't sit well. And, and, uh, so he's going to, he's going to sit for an unspecified period of time. Well, uh, they're looking to send a message, uh, and the message is, you know, you can't respect. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. In one word. Have some respect. Uh, So again, just remember to uh, head over to ahlreport.com. Bookmark that where you'll get all of your Laval Rocket and Prospect news. Uh, Check back there daily. And of course, subscribe and listen to our sister podcast, which is related to prospects uh, for the Montreal Canadiens. And that would be the Presso. So we talked about Rick Hell a little earlier in this segment about how Evans is not playing tonight, um, but that, uh, you know, it's it's been a bit of a question mark as to why suddenly Ducharme feels the need that because he's got injuries and so forth, he's using that as justification to move Jake Evans to the wing, um, which just doesn't, sure, okay, he's, he's, he's had to do that a couple of times in his hockey career, but it's not a place he's comfortable playing. He's, he's been developed and, and knows how to be a center. Um, and so naturally the reporters have started to ask questions to Dominic Ducharme, like, okay, you had to do it for one game, but why do you, why are you now returning to that? Well, why do you, why does it look like you're going to keep putting Jake Evans on the wing for right now? And, um, well, well, We'll let we'll let our listeners hear what Dominic Ducharme had to say. You know, do you want to expose a a young a young guy going toe to toe every shift with Patrick Kane and Jonathan Taze tomorrow, or against McKinnon and Rantanen, or or last night, you know, against uh, against uh, those guys? So uh, it's uh, you know against Stamkos and and Palat every shift. Well, yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. We do. Yes. That's yes, the we point. Do. <laughs> um, I just wonder uh, how long you stay a young guy. <laughs> I, I wonder how long you stay a young guy. Jake Evans is now twenty-five years old. Um, he's a center. He's ha- was having a a good season. Um, he effective defensively uh, and and has uh, you know playing with um, uh, a. Uh, uh, Lekkonen, um and, uh, and 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 he's been um, he he and and Suzuki are, are are part of trying to replace and and Dvorak trying to replace 
um, the the departed Phil Dano and and um, and so yes, uh, put him out there. I mean, you've you've got uh, those three centers uh, to spread the spread the time around, but this apparently wasn't an issue uh, until um, Ducharme was trying to shoehorn Cedric Paquette and and Laurent Dauphin in the lineup. And then Evans is the problem, and he has to be moved to a position, um, and for four games now that 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 he's not familiar with, that he's not comfortable in, um, and and you're making decisions. You know, Jake Evans, give him more responsibility. Yes. Um, if it causes you to lose, you're losing anyway. Uh, give him that responsibility. Give him that trust. Uh, what is, what would it be like for Jake Evans to overhear comments like this? Um, that's, it's just awful. And, and, you know, uh, you're doing this because you want to make room for your little favorites, uh, who are not part of the Canadians future, who are not prospects, who are not players who are going to continue. And who aren't doing uh, anything. Uh, well, yeah. Cedric Paquette. Keep him at center because he's 27% at the face-off dot. Yeah. Uh, it's silly. It's absolutely silly. And, um, yeah, it's, it's tough on uh, Jake Evans. It really is. Um, and it just doesn't make any sense developmentally. We've said this time and time again. Um, just stop. <laughs> just could, Why is it so difficult for this organization to get development? And I mean, obviously, Jeff Gordon, when he came in, that was the first thing that he pinpointed was uh, we're going to need to work on the development process here. Um, I wish beyond wish and hopes and dreams that they would have canned Ducharme at the same time because Ducharme is part of the problem. Ducharme, it is quite obvious um, in a season where there is nothing, there is nothing to prove in this season. There is nothing that you're going to get out of this season other than you now have an opportunity to spend a season letting your prospects learn, make mistakes, correct the mistakes, and get better. And Dominic Ducharme is doing everything he can to not do that. Because Dominic Ducharme doesn't have a resume. He's playing, he's, he's working towards his next position. And that's why he's the wrong um, he's the wrong coach for this situation. Um, he's he's uh, not obviously uh, a developmental coach, um, and and this has been a. I, I mean, he he's not the only one. Uh, Claude mm. Julian was awful to prospects. Yes, he was just awful. Uh, and and I think that people don't realize when they talk when the 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 word de- development is used, they think. Everything happens in Laval, uh, and that's just not true. No. That that development also has to take place at the NHL level, and you need a coach who's uh, willing to to uh, put the players in positions to succeed. We saw that with with Tampa Bay, uh, how you know because of cap considerations, they had to basically ship out their third line. Uh, but no problem, you just bring in. Um, Alex Berry, Boulay, you bring in Taylor Radish, you bring in Kachuk, Boris Kachuk. Um, they develop the prospects, and and then when they graduate to the NHL, they get responsibility. They get mm-hmm. trust. Um, that doesn't happen with the Montreal Canadiens, and that's a big thing that Jeff Gordon has to change. It, it is. It absolutely is. Um, 
I'm discouraged by the fact that Molson first said, and then Jeff Gordon repeated that Ducharme's uh, job is safe for this season. Uh, I certainly hope that perhaps that comes under reconsideration at some point, because I think that would be uh, a severe missed opportunity for this season if if this kind of game decision-making by the coach is allowed to continue for the remainder of a season. And as you pointed out uh, in in our Slack group, um, the season is far from over. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there's a lot. 54 games. There's a lot of hockey left. Um, so Evans was then asked about it. You know, it's different. I've uh, had a you know a little taste here and there, and a little bit in the playoffs last year. And um, you know, some aspects of the game are different. You don't pick up as much speed, I guess, coming from your zone and uh, other things like that. But um, I feel like I'm getting better at it. Uh, first couple games were a little challenging for me, but the last few, I felt like. Um, I had a better understanding of what plays I could make. So you have somebody who um, is pretty good at center. He's been a center, uh, a natural center, his, his, uh, his, certainly in his college career and, and for the better part of, of uh, his pro career. Uh, good on face-offs, 49.5% or thereabouts. Um, and one of his strengths is speed. Um, when when they forecheck, uh, Jake Evans or Terry Lekkonen, uh, it's because both have uh, great speed. Uh, and so you put him in a position that takes away his speed, that he isn't able to generate his speed. Um, uh, you know, he's, he's a good soldier and he'll, he'll do what he's told and mm-hmm. he'll play where, he, where he's told to play. But obviously, you're not maximizing the assets you have when you put Jake Evans on the wing. Not at all. And we hope that A that his whatever injury he suffered on Thursday doesn't keep him out of the lineup for too long. And that when he does return to the lineup, he finds himself back at center where he belongs. Um, the one other thing in the, in our quotes of the week section that we, that we really ought to talk about Rick is this, um, this rampant rumor that everyone has been talking about uh, that, that finally we got kind of an answer to, but I mean, how many different ways can we talk and hear about uh this past week that the that the Montreal Canadiens are potentially up for sale? Really? Oh, uh, you didn't hear that? No. Oh, okay. Nor did anybody else. No. When Rene Lavoie comes out with a tweet saying regarding rumors that the Canadians are for sale, I'm told Jeff Molson has no intention to sell or to change the structure of the ownership group. And every journalist in Montreal and even national media like David Pagnotta from the fourth period says, "Um, okay, well, this is good to know, but I hadn't heard this rumor at all. It makes you really kind of question what's the genesis of this. Rene Lavoie, to remind everyone, we've said it before, the mouthpiece for the Montreal Canadiens. If Rene Lavoie is uh, saying something, tweeting something, it's because he has been told to tweet something and to tweet it exactly as it's presented. Um, so he put out the tweet um, and uh, on Thursday and, and said, uh, just as you, as you read it, uh, Jeff Molson, no intention to, to sell or change the structure of the ownership group. Um, it just wasn't an issue there. There was, you know, back in September or whatever, um, 
a radio station in Quebec City just wildly speculating that, oh, maybe uh, the team's for sale. That's why Jeff Molson is uh, hiding and not, not uh, facing the media. Um, that was about the extent of it, but that didn't, there was no traction out of that because it was, there, there was no story to that. Pittsburgh Penguins sold this week. Uh, the Fenway group, uh, buying Pittsburgh Fenway group also had, uh, some interest in the Toronto Maple Leafs. Uh, is it, is, um, Jeff Molson by releasing this kind of waving over here. Hey, no, no, don't, no, please don't ask me any more about selling the Canadians. I, I don't, I don't know what it is. It was bizarre. Um, it's, it's bizarre that Lavoie lets himself be used in this, this way. Um, yes, he gets ac- special access uh, for putting out this garbage, but um, this, this was just one of those uh, solutions that didn't have a problem. I, well, when I read it, I, I thought, did I have I been in a box box all week? Did I miss something here? No. <laughs> but no, apparently not. Nope. Um, in actual real news around around the league, though, uh, things continue to move. In uh, it's it's been quite a couple of weeks of turnover in a number of franchises around the league, not just the Montreal Canadiens. Of course, the Vancouver Canucks um, cleaning house in their front office and behind the bench. Uh, fine. Uh, find themselves with a new president of hockey ops and interim GM in Jim Rutherford uh, and Boos Boudreau behind the bench uh, has himself three wins ever since taking over that bench. So it's, uh, you know, I have to say, Rick, I like the approach the Canucks are taking, at least from the management side. Um, I would have liked to have seen Jeff Gordon with the same kind of thing, you know, make drop the president title from Jeff Molson give it to Jim Gordon, uh, make him the interim GM, let him find a replacement GM. Yeah, Jim Jim Gordon or Jim Rutherford or Jim. Um, uh, let the gyms do it. <laughs> no, uh, Jeff Gordon, uh, the, the man, or, or Jim Rutherford. Jim Rutherford was actually, his name was tossed out with respect to the Montreal Canadiens by his agent, who is the same agent as Patrick Waugh, um, and uh, tons of experience, uh, and and yes, gets that president's title. Jeff Gordon, just the uh, executive vice president title, which leaves Molson in charge. Uh, and and Jim Rutherford uh, is interim GM, which which makes sense. Bruce Boudreau, um, you know, whatever he's done, he brings a positive message. Mm-hmm. Has three wins uh, in, in three games for, uh, Vancouver. The toughest part of his week was putting his skates back on and getting out there for practice. <laughs> he looked a little sore afterwards, but, um, yeah, no, a, a good positive move for the Vancouver Canucks. Absolutely. Uh, the Philadelphia Flyers also, uh, the, the, the sword came down there as well. Uh, head coach Elaine Vigneault and assistant coach Michelle Terrian out, uh, Mike Yo remains behind the bench he's promoted to interim head coach Uh, chuck fletcher says while they will look for uh, an assistant coach to to help fill in some space on the bench they are not in a huge rush uh, to find a replacement head coach they want to do it right they don't have interviews lined up yet so no idea who it's going to be Tockett's name's been thrown around tortorella's name's been thrown around um lots of speculation but the the gist of it is Vigneault and Terrian find themselves without a job once again. Lost the room. Uh, communication with the players was tough. Um, and uh, listen, please, I don't want to hear anybody mentioning 
those two names as potential uh, head coaches of the Montreal Canadiens. <laughs> we talked again. about that in depth on the press zone this past week as well, so be sure to check that out. Uh, Flyers went on a 10-game skid. In fact, unlike Boudreaux, who took over in Vancouver and got himself the first three wins. Uh, Mike Yo, when he took over the bench, interestingly enough, the firing happened the morning of the second half of a, of a two night back to back. Um, and so Mike Yo didn't, didn't have that same kind of, uh, performance out of his team he actually lost a couple of games before they finally snapped that 10 game winning streak uh, a winless streak and pulled out a win against las vegas uh on the road last night um speaking of things out in the desert the arizona coyotes making headlines this week when it come came out that they were uh the city of glendale was threatening to lock them out of the arena as of december 20th if they didn't pay $1.3 million in delinquent tax bills to the city. Uh, Arizona claims that it was human error <laughs> that prevented those payments to be made. Uh, the very next day, wired $1.3 million to the city uh, and all seems to be set to move forward. Uh, of course, the, the Board of Governors meeting was happening in Florida uh, this past week. Gary Bettman uh, was asked about this, said, no issues. Coyotes aren't leaving Arizona. In fact, he actually kind of, you know, threw some shade at the city of Glendale and says that they're uh, the city of Glendale is is acting with an agenda. Um, so I'm sure that won him lots of popularity of points uh, in in the city of Glendale. Um, and he said. Uh, Air, uh, the coyotes aren't going anywhere. Well, well, actually, they are. Actually they're they leaving are. Glendale, <laughs> but they're staying in Arizona. Yeah. yeah. Staying in Arizona. Staying and, in the gener- uh, the greater Phoenix area. Yeah. Uh, and so, of course, every time that there is an issue uh, with anything Arizona Coyotes related, the first clamoring that you hear is move them to Quebec, move them to Quebec, move them to Quebec, bring back the Nordique. Um, and, and, and Bettman does have a, a meeting with this, with, with Quebec city, um, I think after the first of the year, sometime early in 2022, um, but he confirmed. Yeah, with the the provincial the the, the pro- whole yeah. uh, uh, committee that has been set up to examine hockey in Quebec. That's right, um, and and he reiterated again. I'm sure it'll be a, a a nice meeting. I'm looking forward to hearing what they have to say. However, no franchises are considering relocation at this time. And there are no new expansion plans. So he said, yeah, I, I don't know what they want to meet about, but sure, I'll go and meet with them. And, and then <laughs> kind of put the, the, the stopper on saying uh, no relocation, no expansion. So um, again, you know, Batman has his, his uh, uh, methods here. He's going and he'll listen and he can say to any, uh, the current franchises who step out of line. Well, I have a, you know, interested party in Quebec. So uh, he's got a, 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 his own agenda for me. I, I think that's absolutely correct. Um, the other big topic of conversation right now is the very quickly approaching 2022 winter Olympics in Beijing um, and whether or not the NHL is going to actually be permitting players to go. Um, Batman was asked about this again. John Daly was asked about this. Um, and it's the, the general consensus is that it's it's going to come down to the players um, due to 
the agreement with the NHLPA uh, and so on and so forth. The NA- Batman stating once again, the NHL is not going to get in the way. This is going to come down to players' decision as to whether or not there will be participation in the Olympics. Uh, there's, you know, there's nations that are doing uh, diplomatic boycotts. There are coronavirus uh, concerns, lots of different things kind of on the plate right now. And Bill Daly added that that drop dead date of, of January 10th isn't such a final date that they can extend beyond that to see um, whether they're going to participate or not. And then, and then make the decision of what to do with those three weeks that they blocked out for the Olympics if they decide not to go. Thank you. Uh, we are not John Daly. The golfer is not uh, is, is not Bill Daly. <laughs> so thank you for <laughs> for correcting me on that. Um, so it will be interesting to see to see how that all unfolds as we get closer to the Olympics. Um, speaking of interesting news, uh, you you brought this story to my attention this week. Uh, Forbes has the ranking out of NHL team values, and holy cow, was there a jump? There was um, somehow. With, uh, you know, no, no fans in the stands last season that somehow uh, the valuations uh, for the uh, franchises in the NHL went up an average, an average, mind you, of 32%. Um, so how did that happen? Well, there's, there's a new uh, broadcasting agreement in, in the U.S. that kind of doubled the money coming in. There was a, a new franchise that joined and the, the, the value there. There's a couple of new buildings. Uh, there's the, the helmet advertising. There's going to be a patch on the jerseys next season. All of this uh, has, has boosted the value of the franchises and as i said on on average uh over 30 percent at at the top is still the new york rangers uh but they are now the the league's first two billion dollar team uh their value went up 21 percent uh the most valuable canadian franchise is the toronto maple leafs at 1.8 billion uh also 20 percent up montreal canadians are third in the league at 1.6 billion so when jeff molson cries that i can't pay two coaches in the same year uh, remind him that uh, his franchise is worth uh 1.6 billion and it went up during the pandemic 19 percent chicago in fourth uh, the boston bruins in fifth and uh, the Philadelphia Flyers making a big jump. Their one-year change was 50%. They're now a, a billion-dollar team at 1.2. Uh, the Edmonton Oilers, um, 100%. They doubled the value wow. in one year and are now $1.1 billion. Uh, the Islanders were also a, a big jump. I think it was 83% They because of moving into a new building. So uh, these, evalu- these valuations are... Uh, for the franchises are uh, look the, the the Pittsburgh Penguins selling for nine hundred million dollars mm-hmm. or at least that's the the reported value of them. So um, yeah, there's there's lots of money to be had at <laughs> being an owner in the National Hockey League. Uh, I, I think so. I think so. 
All right. Well, we are going to take our first break here on the Canadians Connection. Uh, still to come in the next segment, uh, Michael Spinella is going to take over the co-host chair with you. And you and he are going to cover the big topic, cleaning house too. Uh, you know, Jeff Gordon has a lot on his plate uh, and there's things that he's going to need to prioritize And uh, you two are going to explore some ideas on how to improve cap flexibility and maybe get rid of some bad contracts uh, part ways with with guys who just aren't a part of the team's future. All the things that could happen under Jeff Gordon's uh, short-term future here with the Montreal Canadiens. So you and Michael Spinella will be back right after this. Stay with us. This is the Canadiens Connection podcast on Rocket Sports Radio. Football fans, I'm sure we all love an action-packed, high-scoring NFL game. But with the latest no-brainer from DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, you'll be a winner once a single point is scored. New customers who bet just $1 on any team to score can win $100 in free bets. It's that simple. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes all season long with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Sports Contests. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code THPN, bet $1 on any team to score, and you win $100 in free bets. If they score... You score with promo code THPN this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Welcome back to the Canadians Connection podcast on Rocket Sports Radio. I'm Michael Spinella. You can find me on Twitter at the Spinella. That's the S P I N E L L A. With me in the studio is our president and founder of Rocket Sports, Rick Stevens. You can follow him at All Habs on Twitter. You can follow at Habs Connection on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, and visit our website at CanadiansConnection.com. Just a reminder to subscribe to our Canadians Connection podcast in the player or on your favorite podcast app. So thank you for having me in the the studio here for our big topic segment, Rick. And uh, apologies to Amy Johnson for uh, kicking her out for a little bit. Uh, (laughs) She she deserves a little bit of a break every now and then. But uh, how are you doing? And uh, thanks for having me back. I'm doing great. Uh, Yes, Amy will be back for the third segment. Glad to have you here for our big topic segment and uh you had an interest in a few things to say about this particular topic uh and uh and we're glad to have you here uh to join me in the studio and and uh discuss um uh, we're, we're calling it uh cleaning house two 
Yeah, so uh, the Canadians' new uh, executive vice president, uh, Jeff Gordon, obviously he has uh, enough on his plate. <laughs> uh, much of the conversation on social media has zeroed in on the selection of a new general manager. Uh, but uh, what we're going to do is uh, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, maybe some moving parts uh, in the roster that could get uh, potentially moved out uh, before the trade deadline. We're not uh, ignoring the talk of bringing in a new general manager, but uh we wanted to maybe shift our focus a little bit and talk about something a little bit different. Um, Jeff Gordon, uh, he's going to be involved in evaluating the coaching staff, improving player development, building a new analytics department, uh, and obviously, as I mentioned, addressing roster construction issues. And we, I think that's going to be our main topic for today. Certain things we're going to highlight are uh, how to improve cap flexibility, stock uh, new drop... Uh, Bring in a stockpile of draft picks, trading away bad contracts, expiring contracts, and long-term contracts. And uh, we might have to part ways with some players that uh, don't really fit into this team's plans. These are non-core pieces, maybe some fan favorites, and uh, it might be a little bit difficult, but uh, that's part of what uh, Jeff Gordon is going to have to do. I guess uh, my question for you is, uh, what's... Uh, something uh, about uh, Jeff Gordon that you're looking forward to him being able to do in uh, his time here, uh, I guess, before a general manager is appointed and uh, what are your expectations? Well, I, I think that's a good point that for now, uh, Jeff Gordon is flying solo. And um, at some point, uh, probably in the new year, uh, they've said it's not going to be before Christmas that uh, a GM is going to arrive to help share the load uh, how much experience that new general manager will have we don't know so um you know the all of these all of the things that you mentioned uh are are big big projects for jeff gordon as he's arrived in his new uh in his new role some of the things um he's done before um he's um um you know helped uh, re, re, reassemble or, or rebuild um, uh, a roster and uh, some of the things he hasn't done before as, as like being a conduit to uh, the owner, uh, which he will be in, in this case. So um, I thought we'd look back at uh, Jeff Gordon's kind of uh, what he's done in the past um, how he accomplished what he did in with the Rangers, and what some of the possibilities would be in Montreal. Um, as you said, there's there's uh, the, the Canadians are uh, right tight against the cap. Um, on Friday, Gary Bettman and Bill Daly had a, a press conference and and uh, said they're they're happy with the projections for hockey-related uh, revenue uh, for this season. The NHL coming back, they're going to be over uh, $5 billion, about $5.2 billion is what their projection is. Um, but that still leaves a pretty big debt uh, owing from the players uh, that resulted from the pandemic uh, of, of $1 billion. And that will be paid back, they expect, uh, this season and the following two seasons. So it's the 2024-25 season. It's going to be then before the cap's going to go up in any significant way, just $1 million next year, which means that the Montreal Canadiens, Jeff Gordon, with or without a general manager, is going to have to address some of those cap issues, get the Canadians more flexibility, while at the same time, as you said, building up its stockpile of draft picks. 
Yeah, so if uh, you're into it, I was uh, wanted to take a little bit of a look back at Jeff Gordon's history uh, as a, the general manager sure. of the New York Rangers and uh, maybe bring up some trades that I think uh, kind of represent the style of trade that we're looking for him to make this season before the trade deadline or maybe even after the trade deadline at the draft if he's uh, still going to be in charge of that. So I think first and foremost, a uh, trade that Montreal Canadiens fans might want to look back on is uh, when uh, he traded uh, Brady Shea. It's a $5.25 million defenseman to uh, the Carolina Hurricanes in exchange for a first round draft pick. I think that's kind of relatable to a particular Montreal Canadiens defenseman that we're going to talk about a little bit later in uh, terms of what kind of return we could get. And uh, in doing so with the Brady Shea trade, he... He didn't have to retain any salary. That was $5.25 million just off the books. And uh, another one uh, I'm going to bring up here is uh, because we're going to expect a few maybe fan favorites to potentially be traded off the Montreal Canadiens. Jeff Gordon traded uh, Matt Zuccarello to uh, the Dallas Stars from the Rangers, and he took back a couple of draft picks, a conditional second and third. So again, that's the style of trade that I'm kind of looking for him to make, and that's uh, about $3.15 million that are just off the books now. He retained a little bit of salary on that one, but uh, still not really that big a deal. And... uh, the last trade I want to mention, it's not, uh, I guess, super relevant for salary cap. I just think that this is probably one of the best trades he's ever made. Uh, it's when he traded uh, Ryan Spooner to the Edmonton Oilers in exchange for Ryan Strom. Mm. And that has to be one of the most lopsided trades that's ever happened. For those who uh, don't know, uh, Ryan Spooner ended up on waivers like a week after this. And uh, Ryan Strom obviously is... Uh, is a top six forward for the New York Rangers. And that worked out really well in his favor. Uh, So I I guess uh, just your impressions on uh, some of Jeff Gordon's uh, history as a general manager. I think uh, what what you've out, what you've laid out there is um, is a re- are really good examples of the kinds of of moves that he's made uh, to give himself or to give the team uh, more flexibility uh, to uh, you know free up the cap space to bring in some draft picks. Um, you know, the, these are uh, these were these were tough moves, and and they were done. Uh, he's used the um, the trade deadline uh, to to make some of these moves over the course of of a couple of seasons. I, um, in addition to the ones you mentioned, um, the Kevin Hayes uh, trade at the deadline to the Winnipeg Jets, and and Kevin Hayes didn't do much. Uh, for the Winnipeg Jets once once he got there, but uh, th- that's a five million dollar contract. He was able to to get rid of and and bring in some some talent that way. Uh, the getting rid of of Ryan McDonough and and J T Miller, um, you know, again, uh, that's that's a lot of money off the cap. And and Ryan uh, McDonough has been a, a key piece for uh, Tampa Bay and their two uh, Stanley Cup runs. Um, so these are, you know, uh, the way he kind of remade the roster, getting rid of uh, Derek Broussard and uh, the two Derek's, Derek Stepan and and McDonough and Miller and 
you mentioned Matt Zuccarella, Kevin Hayes, uh, and he turned them into the Ryan Strums and Jacob Trubas and Zabinajads and, and uh, K. Andre Miller, uh, Ryan Lindgren. Um, you know, all of this is uh, um, just made the, the New York Rangers uh, what they are in a very, very short period of time. Yeah, I really like how he built that New York Rangers team. Um, when you look at uh, the roster through and through, like their defense looks great. He, he brought in uh, Adam Fox uh, from the Carolina Hurricanes. <laughs> I, I think that was two second round draft picks and he just won the Norris Trophy last season. So really good young defenseman that he brought in there. And uh, to be honest, uh, I'm looking through some of these trades. There are very few times in which Gordon's actually had to take on like any salary more often than not. He's uh, shedding salary or it's uh, even, which I I think that's really impressive. And uh, that's definitely going to help out the Montreal Canadian. For sure. Um, And, and we, we, I I mentioned the 2024, 25, uh, season um, as being key for uh, the league in that that's the first uh, season that the cap will uh, go up any in any significant fashion. Uh, and it just so happens that that's a key uh, p- point for the Montreal Canadiens, a key year for them, because with the contracts on the books, they will have 10 contracts. They already have 10 contracts, which is the most in the NHL, on the books for the 2024-25 season um, with a value of $57.5 million. Uh, and so um, that's that's not good news for a, 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 a vice president of executive vice president of hockey operations and a general manager when they're sitting down saying, boy, we already got all this money spent on long-term contracts uh, we've we've got to make some changes here. So it's it's those long term contracts that they're going to be looking at uh, to try and and better balance uh, the salary cap. Uh, we talked about before the expiring contracts and and the folks that that just don't fit anymore um, in in the new as the new core of the Montreal Canadiens emerges. Yeah, I mean, the Canadians are in a very different position this year than they were last year, obviously. And uh, to be honest, when you're going through a little bit of a retool or rebuild, whatever you want to call it, it's never a good idea to have a lot of long-term contracts and a lot of money because one of the things you want to do during, I guess, rebuild, retool, is you want to re-sign your young players and well, looking at some of the contracts that some of these uh, young players are getting, like you're going to need to have a lot of cap space and you're going to have need to have to have a lot of money to put towards them if you want to, you know, achieve success uh, <laughs> later on. And, and it's, I mean, um, you know, not all the long-term contracts are bad. That's not what we're saying here. When you look at, you know, uh, Nick Suzuki for an eight-year contract, well, Okay, well, the Canadians are going to build around, uh, we're assuming, uh, Nick Suzuki, so, so that's fine. Um, but there are others who, there are long-term, five years for Brendan Gallagher, Gallagher uh, three years for Jeff Petrie, five years for Josh Anderson, three years for Christian Dvorak, three years for David Savard, three years for Joel Armia. Uh, three years for Jake Evans. Um, which of those are the ones you want to keep and which ones are um, are the ones who should be moving on? 
Yeah, it's a really good point on uh, Suzuki there. Uh, assuming he's their core piece, and it was kind of hinted at that uh, he will be a really big leader on this team going forward. So really good point in that uh, not all the long-term contracts are bad, but uh, maybe with some of the veterans that are uh, on the decline, you, you might want to move along from those. Mm-hmm. For sure. So if uh, you're all ready here, uh, I'll just let the listeners know that uh, we had a little bit of uh, fun assignments leading up to this <laughs> podcast. Uh, Rick and I uh, both put together, I guess, a top five list of players that we uh, think it's a priority to trade at some point this season before the trade deadline. It could end up happening at the draft. And uh, I guess... Uh, do you have anything to, to add to that? Well, the fun thing about this is that um, we said, yes, the priority is to get rid of them uh, before the trade deadline. That's that's kind of where we're approaching that time um, where, you know, we've seen in, in recent years where teams like to get uh, – those players in-house uh, early so that they get acclimatized to the team and adjusted to the team um, to help them go on their playoff runs. So we're getting to that point uh, where those type of trades could start happening. Um, so our priority is is to see what uh, Jeff Gordon and the, the future unnamed uh, GM are going to be able to accomplish by the trade deadline, knowing that some of these some some of these trades will um, happen closer to the draft or maybe in the off season. But uh, our assignment, as you said, was to uh, was to focus on the draft and seeing if um, you know this has been a tough season. It's 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 very difficult for fans. Um, but, uh, you know, with a tough season comes opportunities and it's an, a real opportunity for the management to, um, to, to move, help, uh, the roster out, help the salary cap out, help the future of the Canadians by, uh, getting rid of some of these, uh, players. Yeah, this was a really fun exercise for me. I was telling you beforehand, I think I had a list of about 12 guys that uh, <laughs> You're ruthless. You're ruthless. I wanted. <laughs> yeah, I, I would have way too much fun tearing down teams for a rebuild. But uh, I did whittle it down to five players. And uh, I'm curious uh, who you have on your list. Uh, so if you wanted to go ahead and... Uh, Who's the first man that uh, you have decided that you need to trade? Well, I think the the, the first one that, that is on everybody's list. Um, and uh, I, I think even this is something that Ben Sherratt knows, is that uh, number one, uh, Ben Sherratt is going to be in demand. Um, he has He is a proven playoff performer. He's proven that he can help a team uh, in the playoffs. And uh, I, I, I think everybody would be shocked if he remains on the, the uh, Canadians roster after the, uh, the deadline. And I think uh, the other part of this is that um, there's going to be some value from, from Ben Sherratt. Uh, given that that he's uh, on an expiring contract and and it's a reasonable contract, three, $3.5 million, uh, it's reasonable to assume that, Jeff Gordon and or the 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 GM could uh, uh, expect to receive a first round pick uh, for uh, Ben Sherrod, and that would be that would be great for the Canadians to add to their uh, stockpile. 
Yeah, when I first saw the report that uh, Ben Sherratt could be traded for a first-round pick, I wasn't sure if I believed it. But to be honest, I've kind of talked myself into that a little <laughs> bit, just based on you know what some defensemen have been traded for at uh, the deadlines, and these are defensemen on expiring contracts. I mean, look no further than a guy that uh, you know you're probably familiar with, and David Savard. He was traded for a first-round draft pick yep. at the deadline last year, going to uh, Tampa Bay. So, uh, I mean, the style that Sherratt likes to play as well, like he's a defensive defenseman, but he's also very mobile. He is a really underrated skater for a very top-heavy guy, so there's going to be a lot of teams looking for that. He's a good complementary piece to have beside maybe a younger puck mover. So keep your eye out on that. I think the trade is pretty well done at this point. It's just a matter of when and to who. Yeah, I, I think so. Um you know, and and as we go down the list, I think some of these uh, some of these names are going to be difficult, and and it's going to be difficult for um, for fans to wrap their heads around saying goodbye to some of these players. But as Jeff Gordon did uh, in in New York, um, the Kevin Hayes's or the the Matt Zuccarellos that were truly fan favorites, uh, he was able to approach it in a non emotional way. That's one of the things that. Um, has been said about him is that he develops very good relationships, very good communication uh, with players, but he doesn't develop an emotional attachment. And we saw that might have been the Achilles heel for uh, Mark Bergevin during his tenure. Yeah, that's a very good point. So I'm curious uh, if we're going to defer on uh, our second guy on our <laughs> list. Uh, I'll let you start. Uh, who do you have? Uh, this this is uh, going to be a bit of a, a long shot, but Paul Byron, and again, Paul Byron is uh, is is one of those guys who is a heart and soul player. Um, after the playoffs, he talked about how much it meant for him to be uh, a Montreal Canadian, how much his family loves being in Montreal. Uh, Paul Byron, you know, wore a letter. Um, and probably will when he gets back. He, he's uh, been on the ice, but uh, probably not back uh, until January um, to play. And uh, the only issue is his contract, $3.4 million this year, $3.4 million next year. Uh, could he be an asset to a playoff-bound team just because he's, a, he's an excellent special teams player? Uh, who may need a, a penalty killer who has that uh, threat, who is always a threat to score a shorthanded goal. Um, not the kind of player that you'd, you'd trade offseason. He would, he would be, uh, you know, an extra piece that uh, a team might add for the playoffs. Yeah, Byron, I almost put him on my list. The only thing that uh, kept me from putting him on this year was I felt like he might... Uh, be a solid asset to flip at next year's deadline if I were to really get nitpicky about it. But uh, no, that's a, that's a really good point. Uh, I think Paul Byron is definitely a good candidate. The second guy I put on my list uh, is could be a bit of a long shot to, given that he was just signed this past offseason. I, I went with David Savard. He's got three years left. He's making $3.5 million, And to be honest, he's, he's underperformed. I'd don't think too many people have been happy about his uh, body of work here in uh, Habs jersey. Uh, he's not a core piece, and he's, that contract could you know, be pretty bad going into the second and third years. I can see a scenario where some of, 
the Habs' younger prospects like Norlander and Gooley could potentially be better than David Savard by that second or third year. And that's why I'm thinking, you know what, maybe now is a good time just to part ways. And if Gordon or whoever this unnamed GM can maybe sell this as he wasn't a good fit here, but in the past, you know, last year, he was a really big part of the Tampa Bay team that won the Stanley Cup. And he was really good in Columbus. So I think now would be a great time to move on from David Savard. I've said it before, and um, I think it's it's crucial to understand the difference between a 12 to 13 minute a game David Savard and a 20 minute David Savard. Uh, obviously, uh, he's playing far too much and far higher up in in uh, in the defense rotation than um, his skills permit at, at this stage in his career. Uh, we saw him a perfect fit for Tampa Bay uh, in that 12 or 13 minutes a game on the third pairing as a, as a, uh, a good uh, uh, partner for uh, Mikhail Sergachev. Um, you know, he's, he was oversold, I think, this year um, in trying to uh, find somebody who would fill the minutes of uh, Shea Weber. Um, he's, he's not adjusted well to the new system. And I think, um, yeah, certainly if, if, uh, he, he's proved that he can be valuable. We saw him opening his ring, his Stanley cup ring this, this, uh, week, uh, when the, the lightning were in town. Um, and, uh, if, if he can be sold, uh, if his skills as a, a Stanley cup performer in a, limited role can be sold, uh, then uh, I agree completely with you. Awesome. I'm glad that we do agree on everything so far. I'm uh, looking forward to a heated discussion when uh, I bring (laughs) up a certain name later on. Uh, Who's uh, your number three guy? I have Jonathan Drouin on the list. Um, One year left on his uh, $5.5 million contract this year and next year. Um, and, um, we, we mentioned, I just mentioned Mikhail Sergachev. Well, uh, obviously, um, I think in many people's books, uh, the worst trade of, uh, Mark Bergevin's tenure. Um, I, I think even the, the fans are kind of resigned to it. And, and certainly the organization has been for some time resigned to the fact that Jonathan Drouin will never uh, be able, his performance will never be able to match uh, the perceived talent that he has. Um, He's just too inconsistent. Um, The effort comes and goes and um, it's, it's, um, you know, there's not good value there uh, for, for what um, he's, he's being paid. Um, And uh, if there's an opportunity to move him to a playoff team, uh, I think they have to take advantage of that. Um, it's it's difficult because there's obviously emotion an emotional connection between uh, Ducharme and uh, and Duran, but I think that's part of the the issue. That's part of the problem. And uh, some of these players, we should say that um, you know, yes, it's important to get assets back. Yes, it's important to clear up some cap cap space, but it's also um, important to clear out obstacles uh, for all the prospects who are coming and, and allowing um, spots to be available for them to, to, uh, to play and, and to flourish. Yeah, and with uh, Druin, like, like you mentioned, he never really lived up to the expectations 
unfortunately, I, I did leave him as an honorable mention for my list, uh, just for no reason other than it was very difficult to whittle it down to five. But uh, you're making it pretty difficult to disagree with anything you're saying right now. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, my number three guy, I took the route of uh, Jeff Petrie. Uh, he's got four years on his contract, $6.25 million. Uh, last year, he was great. Uh, if anyone picked up Jeff Petrie for their fantasy pool, they were running away laughing. Uh, this year, it's, it's been a bit of a struggle. Uh, you can say that maybe it's just been a bit of a struggle because of injuries to other defensemen, Jeff Petrie having to play maybe a larger role. But uh, I... I think that maybe he's starting to regress a little bit and maybe coming back down to earth. I don't see him as a core piece on this team going forward. And similarly to what I said with uh, David Savard, I can see a scenario where Petrie just consistently starts to regress. And, uh, you know, you have Norlander and Gooley knocking at the door and it's it would be kind of an awkward situation to see those two young prospects performing better than Petrie, but maybe being left off the lo- the roster because Petrie's on a one-way contract. Yeah, this is uh, obviously Jeff Petrie is, is uh, just a shell of himself or, or what uh, people expected. And I think that speaks highly to, to what, um, what, what Shea Weber provided to the entire defense core, but particularly Jeff Petrie in, in offering him, uh, the ability not to have to play against the toughest matchups and and to to focus on what he does best and and that's move the puck. Um, you know, in 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 twenty five games, just two points, two assists, hasn't scored a goal yet, and it's not like he's not getting the ice time. Twenty three and a half minutes. Um, it's it's tough, um, and the contract is. $6.25 million, and that's for this season and then three more seasons. Uh, is he playing like a $6.25 million defenseman? Um, can he play like that uh, much better? Is is this uh, an issue? I don't know. Um, he's not high on my list, but I, un- but I understand uh, your reasons for uh, including him. Um I, I'm gonna I'm gonna let you go uh, first next time. Uh, do two in a row here, uh, so that uh, so that you can go first. Okay. Uh, so my number four guy, I went uh, with another one that uh, Bergevin signed in the off season. Uh, Mike Hoffman. Uh, he's got a total three years on the contract this year and two more at uh, four point five million. Uh, I understood why Hoffman was brought in. If you need scoring, if you need somebody on the power play, he's absolutely a guy that's going to help you out with that. But uh, to me, Hoffman is somebody that has had some, uh, I guess, character issues in the past. Uh, Not this season, but the season before, he actually had to sign a PTO with St. Louis in order to get an NHL contract. Not very many teams were lining up for him, but he is a perpetual 20-goal scorer. And to be honest, I've, I've not been super impressed with him on this team. I think he's helped out the power play, like I mentioned. But uh, beyond that, he doesn't bring a whole lot of value to the table. And it may be better suited to be a good player on a good team as opposed to what he is here. So if you can get those, <laughs> you know, that $4.5 million on uh, three years, off the tables, then I think you go for it and you might even be able to get a decent asset back for Hoffman. I can see, you know, maybe a perpetual cup contending team taking a flyer on him. 
I think I think we've seen the best and worst of Mike Hoffman um, um, while he's been in Montreal. Um, you know, he he's an asset for the power play. Um, he has five power play points uh, of his of his eight of the eight points he has four goals and four assists. Um, my concern with Hoffman would be the the age. Uh, like if you were looking at a couple of different players, if you're looking at Josh Anderson versus you know a Tyler Toffoli versus uh, Mike Hoffman. Mike Hoffman is 32 years old, so I think that would have to factor into it, um, and uh, and and that he's you know four and a half million dollars, and and uh, for this year and the next two years, um, there's got there might be a team out there that's interested in picking him up. Yeah, and uh, like you mentioned. Uh you know, it's been it's been good, but there's also been bad. I just I don't see Hoffman as a very coachable player overall. So if he's not scoring, if he's not uh, helping you on the power play, then on a rebuilding team, I don't think he brings a whole lot. So that's why I'm I would prioritize that quite a bit. So that brings me to my next player on the list, and that's uh, Yol Armia. And and um, I love Yol Armia. I I think he adds a. a different dimension than than most other players he's a, a possession monster on the ice um uh, but uh, the concern comes with his offensive production obviously and and the contract 3.4 million dollars a, a four a four-year deal he signed um so you know on a on a on a very good team um Yol Armia is probably a fourth line player um, and can you be better served by having one of your younger prospects take that role uh, rather than a Yol Armia? And is he better suited for a player uh, for a team who's playoff bound, um, so that he can make a difference uh, to their bottom six and uh, and 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 play well in the playoffs as as he did last uh, for the Canadians? Um, again, Yol Armia, it, it's not the kind of guy who. Like, I respect the kind of game he has. It's just uh, the contract, not his fault, uh, but the contract uh, that caused him to make my list. Yeah, that's, uh, that's totally valid. I've never been a big fan of giving uh, bottom six role players uh, that kind of term in general. Uh, so it, it is uh, definitely not a great contract. Uh, I think the only reason why I didn't have him on my list is I felt like there was enough of a good pro there that maybe, you know, he could be a decent mentor for a younger guy, but I absolutely agree with most of your points. And who do you have as your uh, next person? Yeah, this one, uh, it's uh, partially, I guess, out of spite. Uh, <laughs> wasn't a, I wasn't a big fan of this signing. Uh, it's uh, Cedric Paquette. He's going to be a UFA at the end of the year. He's making just a little bit under a million. But uh, to be honest, he's the type of player that coaches really seem to like and overuse. And that's the main reason why I think uh, that I'd like to see him get flipped out uh, sooner rather than later. Uh, He's not someone that's going to provide offense. He's not someone that's going to be a game changer like at all. He's strictly just, a, I guess, a defensive style fourth line center that's going to make the odd big hit here and there. And Ducharme, he he puts him out in all situations. And I think even uh, Mike Johnston on the 
Thursday night's uh, game against the Chicago Blackhawks uh, brought up that, uh, you know what, like at some point Ducharme's going to have to use somebody other than Cedric Paquette, uh, you know, to go out on the ice and uh, take on these big minutes. And that's why if I'm Jeff Gordon or the general manager of the Montreal Canadien, I'm getting rid of Cedric Paquette as soon as I can just to free up space for other players that can literally do the exact same thing. If you can get rid of Cedric Paquette and get any kind of an asset back, I'm all for it. I'm I'm equally supportive of putting him on waivers and uh, let someone else claim him, and if not, sending him to Laval. He's been awful. Um, I I think that's uh, I'm probably being a little generous uh, about that. I I don't know what he what uh, Ducharme sees in him. I don't know what he contributes. Um, you know, he's been a, a minus player uh, in his 13 games. Um, it's certainly not for face-offs. Uh, he's uh, under 30% uh, in the face-off circle. Um, you know, eight and a half minutes a game. It's just, uh, it, it's it's a waste. And, and, and he's one of those players who is blocking the path of uh, taking a roster spot that could be better used for a, a young prospect. I, I can see Paquette being, you know, maybe a decent depth forward again on like more of a contending team. Like he's won Stanley Cups with Tampa Bay, but uh, yeah, on a team that's going through a rebuild on a team that's, you know, at the bottom of the standings, like it's hard to see what he brings to the table. Yeah, absolutely. So I guess, uh, <laughs> yeah, who's uh, your final player? All right, this is going to be a bit maybe a bit controversial um the the final one i have is brendan gallagher and uh brendan gallagher is obviously um you know brendan gallagher carrie price they are fan favorites uh fans love brendan gallagher and 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 why wouldn't you um he's uh, you know, he, he bleeds uh, Montreal Canadiens. He's, he's described as a heart and soul kind of player. Um, and if you were, if Brendan Gallagher was a little younger and, and you were building our, the team around him uh, and he was entering the, his peak years, then I might say, okay, um, you know, uh, he might be a good player to have around. And, he, and you know, even now he would be a, a good role model. Um, Brendan Gallagher's 29 years, uh, of age, um, hasn't had a great season. Um, and we've noticed that, that he's been on the decline, particularly, uh, the last two playoffs with the, the, for the Canadians, he's completely disappeared, um, which should be a concern. Um, and, even uh, near the start of the season, when the Canadians had a more or less healthy lineup, um, Brendan Gallagher was a third-line player, um, and he's making $6.5 million. Is $6.5 million uh, the, the right amount for uh, the kind of production he gives and for a third-round player, and, or third-line player? Um, and and he's that six point five million is for this year, and then for the next five seasons, after that, going right through to 2026-27. I think that if there's an opportunity to to move Brendan Gallagher and give him an opportunity elsewhere, uh, as his uh, career starts to decline a bit, um, that it would be something that he would embrace. 
and something that eventually uh, fans uh, would understand. Yeah, he's uh, 29 right now, so you'd pretty much have him under contract until he's 35 years of age. And if uh, he's starting to decline now, that uh, it's not really a good look, especially at uh, you know 6.5 million. As weird as it would be to see Brendan Gallagher in another team's jersey, I think you're right in that this is a contract that you'll probably want to get rid of at some point. I can see this being a contract where if they don't end up trading him, he could get bought out before the end of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, just because, you know, that's a lot of money to put towards someone who's currently on the third line and probably ends up being, you know, fourth line, if not a healthy scratch towards the end of this contract. For sure. Um, and, and again, it's it's uh, the kind of decision that would have been very difficult for a Mark Bergevin to make. Um, but maybe, maybe um, a little bit easier because of Jeff Gordon coming from the outside, uh, looking at the, the roster in a, in a more non-emotional way and, uh, and, and trying to come up with uh, a, a puzzle, that, that a roster puzzle, uh, that suits the Canadians not only this year, but, but uh, as, as they go forward and, and try to build this core around their younger players. Well, uh, not to put you on the spot, but I am kind of curious. Uh, Brendan Gallagher and his contract as of today, do you think that that is something that is tradable without sweetener? Uh, that's, a, that's a good question. And, um, I, I, you know, Brendan Gallagher currently on, um, in, in COVID protocol uh, would have to come back and uh, and I think remind people of how he can play. Uh, there's an opportunity to, to, given all the injuries, there's an opportunity that he would play in in the top six. Um, and but he would have to show other general managers uh, what you know what he can do for them. Uh, but this is this might be this this might be one of those contracts that uh, it, or players that's too difficult to trade at the deadline. It might it might have to be an off season move. But I think that uh, the Canadians would probably have to hold some salary um, for uh, to to sweeten it, as you said, uh, to entice some general manager to take on his contract. Uh, would you go as far as to say that uh, another team? might want say like a draft pick included in that and not have to give up very much of an asset in order to take on Brendan Gallagher. Uh, that's, you know, that's a possibility. We, we haven't seen Jeff Gordon do much of that. Um, uh, when he's, uh, you know, he hasn't seemed, uh, that that's the way he, he likes to work. Um, so, you know, it, it would certainly depend on, on, uh, the asset that, um, at some point it's going to be more valuable to keep, uh, Brendan Gallagher and keep the, you know, keep the fans coming to see Brendan Gallagher, uh, than if you have to retain salary and give up a draft pick or give up a, a prospect in order to ha- entice a general manager. I, I, I'm, I'm more reluctant to go that route. Yeah. Well, this has been a really, really fun discussion. Uh, I think we could potentially do an entire podcast just talking about a potential Brendan Gallagher trade at some point later on down the road. For but, sure. Uh, 
and think, and we uh, want to hear from uh, our listeners as well as as who's on your list, uh, who made your list, who is absolutely not on your list, including some of the names that we mentioned. And, uh, you know, reach out to us, text us 5853ROCKET uh, or, uh, or reach out to us on social media and let, let us know what you think. Yeah, I'm curious uh, whose list is better. I feel like uh, we might have a little internal competition right. going on right now. Yeah, all right. <laughs> but uh, I think uh, now is a good time to take our final break on the Canadians Connection. Uh, coming up in our third segment, fans will have their say. Rick and Amy will be back at it, and they will read all your replies for the question of the week. Stay with us. You are listening to Canadians Connection podcast on Rocket Sports Radio. The Canadians Connection is proud to be a partner of Rocket Sports Media, digital media publishers of sports and entertainment websites. Their mission is to build a worldwide network of sports fans who are informed, engaged, entertained, and connected. Learn more about RSM, its team, and its portfolio of brands at rocketsportsmedia.com. I bet you enjoy sporting your best Habs jerseys, dressing up your kids and pets in the cutest Habs gear, and showing off your decked out hockey cave or fan ink. Well, don't just show your friends, show your Habs. The team at All Habs wants you to boast your finest pictures for our global network of Montreal Canadiens fans. Include the hashtag showyourhabs when posting your fan photos on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. Then log on to showyourhabs.com to see your entries, along with photos and posts from Habs fans all over the world. A proud member of the Rocket Sports Media Network. If you're a business owner looking for the perfect platform to reach a targeted audience of customers, Rocket Sports Media is the solution. Our global hockey community provides unmatched social media reach to an attentive demographic of sports and entertainment fans. We can provide visibility to your company, helping you to engage and leverage this prime group of potential clientele. In addition, we also offer sponsorship opportunities for fan events and featured areas of website content, giving you name and logo recognition. Visit rocketsportsmedia.com to contact us regarding this unique marketing opportunity. For the most trusted source of news, analysis, and features about the Montreal Canadiens, their affiliates, and their prospects, log in to allhabs.net, your year-round resource for anything Habs-related. That's allhabs.net. And welcome back to episode 168 of the Canadians Connection podcast here on Rocket Sports Radio. Uh, I am your host once again. Uh, thanks so much to my friend Michael Spinella for taking over in that second segment. He did a great job with uh, with you, Rick. Um, and you don't forget, you can also follow us at Habs Connection on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Visit our website, CanadiansConnection.com. Make sure you're subscribed to the podcast, first and foremost, uh, and text us anytime via the Rocket Sports text line at 5853-ROCKET. Um, Rick, in this segment, we're going to let folks have their say. We are going to let them do that in just a moment. But first, we just want to catch everyone up on uh, what's been happening here at Rocket Sports in the past week. Lots of content that comes out on on both of our, our websites. And sometimes we know people have busy lives. They might not 
they, they might miss something. It's it's understandable if you miss something. We want to make sure that doesn't happen. Um, so first we should mention, for your Habs news, allhabs.net, I'm sure you have it bookmarked. I'm sure it's one of the places that you go every day. But if you don't, make sure you do that. Uh, every Monday, our Chris G has a, a comprehensive news article called the Habs Notepad. Um, you uh, are there, Rick, uh, every game day with a big game day preview in the afternoon of each uh, ahead of each game, as well as a, a really comprehensive game recap post game. Uh, so, you know, you wake up in the morning and many times there's game recaps there waiting for you. Sometimes there's a Habs headlines article bringing you the up to date with all the latest news. Just lots going on every single day at allhabs.net. Um, as well... Are you subscribed to our YouTube channel? Did you know that we had a YouTube channel? Of course we do. We've had one for years. You should be subscribed to it. You just head over to YouTube. That's youtube.com slash allhabs. Hit the subscribe button. Also hit the notification bell because you want to get notified when there is uh, a new video uploaded. And uh, right now that's pretty much happening every Thursday when Ben Dankyu uh, brings you a new episode of the Habs Fan Forum. And Ben takes you uh, on his ride and journey as a fan uh, through the ups and downs of of week-to-week Canadians action from a fan's perspective. And you feel the highs and lows with him, trust me. Uh, This past week, he had a great episode called Moving Forward and uh, basically looking at, uh, you know, how Jeff Gordon, his thoughts and his feelings about Jeff Gordon taking over and and what's going to happen, how to deploy things moving forward. It's a great episode, so make sure that you check that out. Uh, And we have mentioned, of course, be sure you're uh, following along over at the AHL Report and subscribe to that sister podcast over there called The Press Zone. Uh, We do call this segment Have Your Say, Rick, and uh, sometimes we have um, listeners who are very vocal and really love to send us regular commentary, not only on the podcast, but just the state of the team and 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 so on and so forth. And I think that you've got some correspondence from one of our one of our favorite listeners who's who's got some great things to say. Well, you want immediate feedback? <laughs> yes. We we just <laughs> talked about uh, Jake Evans. We talked yeah. about Dominic Ducharme's use of Jake Evans. And we have an and we have immediate feedback. Actually, no. This is this came in before because our listeners have eyes. They they ah. and this is from a keen observer, uh, little Molly and friend. Uh, we know who the friend is. Yeah. Um, and uh, one of our our uh, best listeners, and he says, uh, "Hello, dear friends. Uh, again and again, odd decisions from our coach. Jake Evans is a center." Well, play him at that position. (laughs) He's got game. Uh, Show him you stand behind him instead of underestimating him. Holy smoke. Are we purposely trying to destroy the trust of our players? We get sick waiting for these things. I'll leave you with that. Um, But before I go, as he always says, uh, prayers and thoughts to number 10, Guy Lafleur, recovering. Um, So another great email, and you can uh, email us at info at allhabs.net to express your opinion or reach out to us on social media or our uh, Rocket Sports text line, 5853-ROCKET. And then just get ready for another week of a full slate of games from the Montreal Canadiens. I have to say... 
Popcorn's getting popped for tonight's matchup, let me tell you. I think it's going to be a fun one. Uh, The Canadians are on the road uh, for a two-game road trip starting the night in St. Louis to take on the Blues. Why is that significant? Well, uh, Jake Allen's going to get the start tonight. It's going to be a start for him against his former team. First time he faces the Blues. That's right. But at the other end of the ice... First time. Occupying the crease for the St. Louis Blues will be none other than Charlie Lindgren. Uh, Charlie has uh, was picked up, uh, signed as a free agent by the St. Louis over the summer on a two-way deal. He has spent most of the season down with the Springfield Thunderbirds in the AHL, tearing it up. He's got a tremendous record uh, as the, the Thunderbirds have had a very strong start to the season. Uh, and with Jordan Biddington in COVID protocol uh, and some other... Uh, Injuries that have been going on with the Blues. Uh, Lindgren finds himself up. Uh, he's won back-to-back games with the Blues this week uh, and uh, is primed to take on his former team tonight in St. Louis. So two goaltenders facing their former uh, team for the very first time. It'll, it's, it'll be a fun contest. I think so. I think it's going to be a good one. Uh, and then following that, of course, Montreal heads to Pittsburgh, where they will take on the Penguins uh, next Tuesday, followed by a visit from the Philadelphia Flyers coming to the Bell Center next Thursday night. So uh, some good good games coming up. It'll be <laughs> it'll be interesting to see how how those go for sure. Can you know? Can the can can the Habs snap this this losing streak that they're on? Can they get a win in there somewhere? And will Jake Evans play at center? Stay tuned. (laughs) Uh, Of course, uh, after all of that is done, we will be back with another great episode of the Canadians Connection next Saturday, December 18th. Chris G is back in the hosting chair with you next week. Uh, And so it'll be great. That's a busy chair. It's very busy. We had Michael, and it was great to have Michael on on the show uh, for our big topic segment, uh, doing a bit of a thought exercise, Mm -hmm. uh, the kinds of things and and the kinds of questions that uh, fans are are asking us to cover. And and, um, and so uh, we appreciate you being there today with Michael. Always fun. Chris in uh, next week. Uh, Just before we go, you you mentioned St. Louis, and it's the entire Midwest uh, hit by tornadoes and significant loss of life. And we just want to send uh, our our thoughts and prayers to uh, the families and and those who uh, are uh, left with cleanup afterwards. Uh, pretty devastating uh, weather events uh, in the Midwest. Absolutely, everyone. Please stay safe, uh, and uh, we are thinking about all of those folks, and we're thinking about all of you each and every day. We are so grateful that you're back listening to the Canadians Connection and on all of, all of the podcasts here at Rocket Sports Radio every week. Uh, we do this for you, and we appreciate you being here, uh, Rick. Thanks so much for having me in the co-host chair once again i look forward to returning and we look forward to speaking to all of you again next saturday for another great episode of the canadians connection podcast we'll see you then don't forget this is rocket sports radio have a great week click subscribe so you never miss an episode of canadians connection visit allhabs.net for breaking news about the montreal canadians